long series called uh, The Year of the Bible. We started reading the One Year Bible together in January, and it has been so good. I've, I've enjoyed it personally, as well as being able to communicate with so many people in the church who are also reading through the One Year Bible and, and getting so many truths out of God's Word. And so we're going to continue that series today, and we're in 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy is a book that's written by a guy named Paul. Many of you know about this guy named Paul who had a, a very dramatic experience with Christ. Uh, he was persecuting Christians. He was putting them in jail, and he was bringing charges against them for following the way, which was, you know, the Christianity of the day. And, and so he had an experience with Jesus while he was traveling to Damascus one day that changed everything for him and knocked him to the ground and blinded him. And in the process of being restored, uh, he fell in love with Jesus and he realized uh, what the grace of God really meant for him personally. And over the course of time, he begins preaching the gospel, preaching the truth of God's word, preaching the cross and the resurrection. And he began to plant churches. He would go to different regions of Asia Minor and he would, he would begin to preach just there in the synagogue and people would come to know Christ and it would be a small number at times or a larger number. And then he would go into the homes, he would preach Jesus, people would would get saved and he would start churches. And in doing this, he would bring people along with him. And here we're in the book of 2 Timothy. This was a guy named Timothy who was a younger guy, quite a bit younger, maybe half his age, that came along with Paul, got saved and started following him around, helping him plant these churches, helping him pastor these churches, and really just gleaning from his spiritual father. This is a precious, precious letter, 2 Timothy, because it is, it's, it's a father's last words, written probably around AD 67 to AD 69, where Paul's writing a letter to Timothy from prison. He's in the Roman jail, and, he, and he's, he's separated from his son, and he's writing this letter, encouraging him, first of all, hey, come visit me, right? You know, and then also, man, let me just tell you some last things, some things that are really, really important, things you want to hang on to. When I read this book, I realize it is a father's letter, a father's heart to a son, and I want you to get this today as we speak for the next few minutes in the book of 2 Timothy. I want you to get this today. This is a father's heart to our, us, to the sons and daughters of God. This is not just written uh, 2,000 years ago. This is written fresh today from God's heart for you and I. Amen? Let's, let's pray that right now. Let's ask God to help us in that right now. Father, we do. We, we thank you that you are a father to us and you have a tender heart towards us. Your grace is amazing. And God, today, we want to just bask in that grace. We want to lean in and hear what daddy's saying today. We want to hear the father's instruction to us as children of God, as believers of the father, believers in Christ. And so today, speak to us clearly, Holy Spirit. Speak to our hearts, and we open up. We receive in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Second Timothy chapter 3, the first few verses, <clears throat> Paul writes, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, come on, somebody say last days. In the last days, there will be difficult times where people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents. Come on, parents, say amen. amen. <laughs> no, you're not supposed to do that, right? <laughs> say no, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends and be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. Come on, somebody just say those heathen. 
You know, we're, we're hearing this. Paul's writing to Timothy and he's saying, hey, let me talk to you about some people that you're going to encounter. And Paul, Paul believed this, and I, w- I want you to buy in on this too. Paul believed this, that he believed that, that he lived in the end times. He believed that he was in the last days, the last days. And sometimes we can get this idea, the last days are like the last, last days, you know, those days after us. But really, we are in the last days. There were first days. And now there are last days, and we're more in the last days now than Timothy was 2,000 years ago. Would you agree with that? Now, whether we're experiencing some of the last days, end times, book of Revelation's last days, I'm not sure that. I don't see that necessarily. But then again, I don't live in some of the countries that are greatly oppressed around the world where persecution is running rampant and people are losing their heads for Christ. Here in the United States, we get to, you know, put the fish on our back bumper and wear the praise Jesus, you know, shirts and no big deal. So I'm not sure. We're, we're, we're in the last days though. I believe that. I believe we need to take heed at what the father is telling the son in this letter right here. But we're in the last days and he's talking about these bad people. How many of you know that there, there's so much bad going on in the world right now? I, how many of you would say probably that it seems worse now than it was when you were a kid? Come on, old folks like me. Come on. You know, it seems worse now than when we were kids, man. You know, I'm, I'm reading in the news where people are getting beheaded on the, uh, on the U.S.-Mexican border like daily now. They're just, they're beheading people like crazy. I didn't hear about that when I was younger in my 20s and 30s. This didn't see that often. They're beheading people in the Middle East. You know, sex trafficking is a really, really big deal. <clears throat> we're seeing in the news more and more and more now, uh, particularly in the Christian news, it's really because there's so many efforts to stop it. But sex trafficking, even right here in Mississippi, dozens of people were arrested recently for, for, for sex trafficking. In South Louisiana, there were people who were literally, they were purchasing infants as soon as they were born to put them right in the system of sex trafficking so they could raise them in the system. Did you know that was happening right here locally? Yeah, I mean, it's bad, y'all. It's bad. It seems like it's worse now than ever. Abortion, corruption, deception, manipulation, uh, greed, materialism, uh, all these pleasures that people are chasing after, all fueled by pride. It seems worse now than ever. But you know what? I, I, I went to a trusted source before I came out to speak. I went to Google. And I checked because although it does seem worse now than ever, did you know that that we are actually in the lowest crime rate in our nation since 1990? It's not worse. You know what's worse? The fact that we can see it all now through social media. But here's the thing. Paul's telling Timothy about all these people. And we're tempted because we are privy to social media. We're we're privy to the information. We see all the bad happening and and, and we're privy to all that. So we're tempted to just, just, oh my goodness, yes, look at all that stuff out there, right? You know, and and yet Paul says here, he throws in this little statement at the end, they will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Paul very well may have been talking about people who were just like you and I sitting on the seat of a church worshiping God. We pour out our praise and then through time and through deception ended up out there doing these things that are so despicable. Because watch this, watch this. He goes on in, later in the letter in, in chapter four, he says this in verse three, for a time is coming. We're talking about the end times, this window of time that we live in. For the time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will then Uh, Tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. Come on, somebody reach up and itch your ear a little bit. 
Yeah, yeah. Because see, the temptation is to think about all them. Matter of fact, he talks about these false teachers that are itching, you know, the people are itching ears and they're going, tell me that false teachers. Don't we love to tear apart the false teachers out there? You know what? This guy over here, he's got such a big church and, and he's preaching heresy. And oh, this guy up here, he's preaching this. They're not preaching this. Oh, but they're preaching this. And we just love throwing fingers out there. And we love throwing people under the bus. We love talking about them. Come on, somebody say them. It's all about them, but Paul's not talking to them. He's talking to us. He's talking to the kids. His father's talking to the sons. And, and here, in here, he doesn't anywhere say, you know what, go out there and tell them what for. And don't you go to them teachers and post their pictures and everything about them on Facebook so that everyone will know. No, he didn't. He tells Timothy. He tells Timothy, you, you, you have a responsibility here. And he's warning Timothy. He tells him, stay away from people like that. Stay away from people like that. Don't allow yourself to get dragged into this thinking. We have this thing in us that want to blame the teachers, but Paul warns us that perilous times are coming and they will draw, these perilous times will draw many people away. Many people away from the truth, right? And that's what we cling to. We're believers of the truth and we've got the truth. And many people will be drawn away by these perilous times that are coming. And so today, let me ask you a question. How would you respond if perilous times overcame you and your family? What would you do? How would you react if the, the spiritual attacks on your life would ramp up? What if the pressures from out there began to come in here and began to poke you in the chest like a bully? You know, when I was in high school, I only got into one fight my whole life, one fight in my whole life, and it was in high school. It was my senior year. When I went into high school, uh, nobody knew my name, ninth grade, nobody knew my name, Mike Menace, you know, you, even the coaches messed it up. But the, 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 the longer I was in high school, the more the more uh, um, uh, accepted I got and I became pretty popular. My senior year, I was uh, the captain of the football team. I was the quarterback of the football team. I was the uh, student body president. I was a state leader in uh, one of the organizations on campus and everybody knew my name, including the bullies. And you know, the more popular you are, matter of fact, let me say this, the more of a believer you are and the more you hang around Jesus, the more of a target that is on your back. Matter of fact, I'm going to say it's on your chest and the enemy likes to do this. The enemy likes to come in and poke you in the chest. How would you respond if the enemy comes up to you? And maybe he has, maybe he is, but well, how would you respond if the enemy's poking you in the chest talking to you about your kids and what he's going to do to your kids? He's poking you in the chest and telling you what he's, what he's going to do to you and how would you respond? Would you just cower and run? Would you, would you begin to say, you know, I guess you're a little right there, you know, okay, okay. You know, I, I, I was talking to someone recently who was telling me about their experience in church. They'd been in church a little while. And, and as they were talking about their church, I heard, I heard this cynicism. This, they, they, were, they were not saying how much they loved their church as much as they were saying what was wrong with their church. And I thought, man, the enemy's poking them in the chest. Man, if you ever start talking bad about your church, let me, just, let, me just, let me just help you out here. It's the enemy poking you in the chest. He's putting lies in your head. He's trying to get your eyes off the prize, which is Jesus, and get your eyes on the flawed people. Hey, everybody's got flaws. And when he does that, you become cynical. You become resistant to receive. And today we need to be submitted to the Father and hear what the Father has to say. So Paul's writing this love letter to Timothy. My son, my son, my son. 
Man, you got to be careful because it's going to get worse. An enemy's going to come thumping your chest, and people are going to be all around you falling away, man, just falling away. And you're going to see it, and the temptation's going to be to, 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 to cower down, to run away, but you got to be strong. And so here, we're going to look at three strategic tools that God has given us today to navigate the perilous times. I hope you're taking notes today. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, we see the first tool that God has given us to stay the course through this letter. And it is the first one, write it down. It's fine strategic relationships. 2 Timothy 2.1, Paul says, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Paul's establishing this, this process, this healthy process of relationships. First of all, understanding that Christ Jesus is our solid foundation, and it is through the the, the grace of God that we've been brought into the family of God. Come on, if you're a believer, you're a child of the king, you're, you're a joint heir with Jesus, and you have to understand that and foster and facilitate that relationship with him, right? We know that, right? Don't we know that? Come on, somebody say, yeah. I'm preaching. Y'all got y'all to respond. Y'all got to let me know I'm up here. I'll be thinking you're watching the church app, you know what I'm saying? Well, this guy on that. This guy on the app so much better today. <laughs> It's me, by the way. <laughs> Man, we got to foster and facilitate that relationship with God because it all comes back to that. What did you do with Jesus, right? And we can't circumvent anything. We can't jump over here and say, oh, I got a relationship with the church or with people, with my family. I got a good family. Been in church all my life. Who cares when you get to heaven? It's what did you do with Jesus? And so Paul's telling Timothy, man, you got to facilitate this, this grace that God's given us. But then he goes on and he establishes this process of, of receiving from people and giving to people. It's kind of like being the man in the middle, right? It's kind of like by Christ likeness is standing between father and, and us. He's holding on to us. He's holding on to the father. Father, we actually become that, and we have to find those strategic relationships. Who, who is speaking into your life? Who's speaking into your life? And if the answer is nobody, you are in trouble. You're missing, on a, you're missing out on a huge spiritual tool that God's given you to navigate perilous times. Who's speaking in your life? Who is able to look you in the face and say, bro, you can't do that? We like to hide. Men like to hide particularly. Women, eh, a little bit. Sometimes y'all hide a little while, and then you go, oh, let me tell you everybody. You know, but, but men, we like to hide. We could hide all our lives, man. Not tell nobody nothing and be happy, right? Can we do that, man? Y'all hide. God's system, God's plan is that we have somebody that can speak in our life. Doesn't have to be everybody. Doesn't have to be 10 people. Man, just somebody that can speak into our life that can look in our eyes and say, man, how you doing? And know if we're telling the truth or lying. Not only do we need that, we need people to pour into. We need people that we can pour our lives into to share what Christ is doing, what Jesus is doing in our lives and what, how we're responding. To someone to be transparent with 
and say, you know what? I'm struggling right now. Man, life is hard right now, but you know what? I'm going to stick to Jesus. You know, I was talking to a couple recently who were having tough times with one of their children, and they're just, they're like, we don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. And I said, hey, let me get you to start by doing this. Tell your kid you don't know what to say and you don't know what to do. We want to be perfect. We want to act like we got it all together. Man, nobody's got it all together. I don't have it all together. You don't have it all together. And people need to hear that. You know what? Some people won't even come to Jesus because they think you got to be perfect because we've proven along the way in front of them that you got to be perfect. And we're not perfect. Did, did that make sense? Quit trying to be perfect and act like you're perfect. Be honest. Find somebody that you can just sit with. They'll listen to you and say, man, I'm not perfect, but I know the one who is. And he's helping me to navigate perilous times. He's helping me to get through tough times. Who are you pouring into? You know, I, I know this. I know I've seen it over the years. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty hyper people person. I'm pretty hyper in that. I just, I'm like a magnet to people. I just, I could stay here all day. If y'all hang out with me, we'll stay here all day long. Uh, man, we get hungry. We'll eat the communion elements if we have to. We're going to just, <laughs> we're just, we're just going to have fun. It's going to be a party. You know what I'm saying? But then there are other people, there are other people, not so much, not so much, right? And there's some here. Let me, let me listen. Now, listen, this is serious. There's some of you here now that you slipped in here today day and you haven't talked to anybody. So in fact, you've been coming here a long time and you never talked to nobody and you're going to sneak out of here today and you're never going to talk to anybody. Let me, let me talk to you like Paul's talking to Timothy here. That's dangerous because you don't have life-giving relationships. Somebody that knows your name, somebody that you know their name. And you can't just wait. Don't just wait for somebody like Mike Menes to come up and say, hey, how you doing, man? So good to see you today. Where are you from? What do you do? Where's your family's name? Your cousins? I, I think we're kin. Ancestry.com says we're kin. Hey, come on, let's go. You know? you know, don't wait for that. Don't wait for that. Reach out to somebody. Reach over to the person sitting next to you that you've never met. You know, you know, you know what kind of coffee they drink because you smell it every week, but you don't even know their name. Man, make a friend because we need life-giving relationships. And we have to be deliberate about this. They have to be strategic relationships. It can't be just anybody. It has to be the right somebody. So we have strategic relationships. The second thing in verse three, he goes on and he talks about intentional living. We must focus on intentional living. Come on, somebody say focus. Sometimes it's hard to focus. But we have to focus. We have to be focused on intentional living. It says, endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And listen, he says, soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. Uh, for then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. And hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. Soldiers, athletes, farmers. He gives some illustration here, some examples for us to follow there to, to help us focus on intentional living. He says, you got to be like the soldier who doesn't get dragged down by the things of the world, the cares of the world. You know, a lot of people live in drama constantly. Come on, you may be one of those people who lives in drama constantly. And it's because we get dragged down down by the cares of the world. Though we are in the world, God has brought us out of the world. And he said, I don't want you to be like the world. I want you to live in the world, but not be like the world. And so often we are like the world in that we get dragged down. Come on. How many of you enjoy Fox News, CNN? Come on. You like, you read your news? Come on, nobody's going to raise their hand because they haven't figured me out because I'm picking on you. But you know, we get, we get up, caught up in the news. Did you hear about the president, what he did now? You know what, Korea, you know, uh, man, it's just ISIS. Uh, I mean, what's next? You know, we get caught up in all those things and it begins to weigh heavy on us. 
Pastor Jordan gets up here and he says, come on, let's lift your hands and praise the Lord. And we're like, I'm trying, but what about ISIS? <laughs> what about North Korea and Ken, Kim Jong-un guy, that guy? And hey, I'm trying, oh God help us, you know? And, and he's like, no, worship me. And we get dragged down by the cares of the world. And said, he tells us, he says, be like a soldier. It's like, I'm focused. I'm focused on this life that I've got. I'm focused. I realize that my life has value and the people around me need that value because that value points them to Jesus. To be like an athlete and follow the rules of the game. You know, there are trustworthy systems in place that God has He's established for the church and for believers. Trustworthy systems that do include people, as we just shared, but also processes. And, and there are so many people who've gone before us. And they've run the race and they've done it right like an athlete. They've crossed their finish line. They've set a pattern and God has, he's, he's, he's told us, so look at those guys. Look at those guys that have gone before you. And the book of Hebrews talks about this great cloud of witnesses. I just imagine this, this great cloud of witnesses. This is just the way I see it, okay? They're in heaven. They're, they're at the, if there is such a thing, they're at the banisters of heaven, the rails, and they're looking down. You know, uh, so I, I'm going to tell you all a little secret about me. Just a little real quick story. I, I, my wife's a runner. She's been running for about two, two and a half years, and she runs fast, and she runs far, you know. And for pretty much this whole time, you know, I'm there to support her because I love my wife. You know, I'm her biggest cheerleader. But, but when people ask me, you know, hey, you run with your wife? like, oh, no, 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 not me. No, oh, no, not me, you know. I'm like, no way. Are you kidding me? That's stupid. <laughs> I am. been cynical. But here recently, here recently, uh, matter of fact, first of August, I, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna give this thing a try. And so I started running in August. I've only been running since August. But um, what I've found is if I run alone, I don't do as well as when I'm running with others. And, and even here recently, I was running with uh, three people and, and, and you know, the conversation uh, took my mind off the running and we were able to run this certain distance and, and, and I never really thought about it. You know, even when I got tired and, and I would say, man, I'm getting tired. I need, I need to walk y'all, you know, I need some water. <gasps> Help me. You know, and they're like, you can do it. And it really, it, it made a difference. It makes a difference knowing you got people cheering you on. Well, listen, run as an athlete, Run this race. Stay focused on intentional living because there's so many that have gone before us. They've proven it can be done. There's no excuses. We can't say, well, you know, my race can't be run because, you know, they no, everybody's had their race and there's been plenty like yours. And yes, you can. You can run the race and make it to the end. Yeah. Yeah. And then he says, like a farmer, you got to understand that all this hard work's going to pay off. Guys, it's worth it. It's worth it to have a focus on intentional living. It's worth it to have a disciplined life. It's worth it to follow the systems that are in place because there's a prize waiting for us. There's a reward waiting for us when we cross the finish line. Man, I, I did run a race this uh, last, uh, let's see, September, I ran a race. And when I crossed the finish line, there was all these people with all this stuff. First of all, there was a lady there with a medal. Come on, you know, there's like big medal. It was pretty cool medal too, you know. And I'm running across the finish line. There's this medal and, and she wanted to put it over my neck, but I just run three miles nonstop. And I'm like, don't do that. Just give me the medal. You know? <laughs> you know, I'll put it on my neck when I can breathe. You know? And I, then I rounded the corner and there was this other guy there, you know, and he had a couple bananas. He was reaching out with a banana. I was like, no, maybe later, you know? And then there was a guy with his energy drink, you know, like, Hey, here, big smile. And say, you didn't just run three miles. And I just, okay, I'll come back. But you know, they were there with the prize. There's a prize when we cross the finish line. It's worth it. A farmer plants corn knowing 
cornbread's coming. Yeah. And he has to know what that cornbread smells like with butter dripping off of it. Because the corn don't grow right away. You keep running your race, y'all, because cornbread's coming. And you want to eat that cornbread when you cross the finish line. So we focus on intentional living. Finally, in verse 14, we've got to be faithful to be in the word of God. And we've got to be faithful to the word of God. He says, but you must remain faithful to the things you've been taught. You know they're true. Come on, somebody say, I know they're true. You know they're true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God, and it's useful to teach us what is true, to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong. It teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. You know, the Bible is God's word to us. It's God's word inspired by God to us to help us navigate perilous times. You know, when, we, when, we, when we're up on the top of the mountain and all things are good, you know, we're up there, just shout to the Lord of the earth, let us sing. Yeah, it's all good, man. And we feel like we're invincible. But then, you know, when we're in the valley, in the pit, it's not so much praising and singing going on. Perilous times have a way of intimidating. And if you don't have the word of God in you, you're not gonna know what's truth and what's deception. If you don't dive into the word of God, I love the fact that we've just spent the whole year and the one year Bible and we're in the word of God and it's getting on the inside of us, but it teaches us truth and gives us clarity because there are times when we're confused. And, 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 and how many of you know it exposes the flaws in us? We all have them. We all have them. We all have them. And we will continuously have them. And God will reveal them through the word of God. He'll expose those things so that we can get them out. They teach. The word of God teaches us. It corrects us. It trains us. You know, I heard somebody once say, a man walking towards a cliff doesn't need encouragement. Come on, man, you can make it. No, he needs some sincere warning. <laughs> Stop it! And the word of God can be that sincere warning that just confronts us, gets in our grill and says, stop. The word of God prepares us and equips us for every good work. You know, the Bible says that every one of us have good works to do. There's work to do. God prepared them from the beginning just for you. And in order to accomplish those works and to walk in your purpose and to be fulfilled in this life, you have to be steered and guided and the word of God does that. And so it's so important that we embrace the truth of the word of God and we let it shape us and mold us so that we can do all that God created us to do. The bottom line is our purpose is to know God and to make him known to others. And the best way to do that is to spend time reading God's word. So Paul tells Timothy, come on, come on, my son. Apply these disciplines, apply these tools to your life so that you can endure perilous times because the goal is to finish well, to finish strong. In chapter four, verse six, he kind of wraps things up saying this. He says, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. 
The time of my death is near and I have fought the good fight and I've finished the race and I've remained faithful. Let me read that again. He said, he said, I've fought the good fight and I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. I fought the good fight and I've finished the race and I've remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing, for all who eagerly navigate the perilous times and cling to the truth of God's word and trust in the relationships that are so important, so vital in our lives, who live intentionally and who finish strong. Paul said, I fought the good fight. You know, I hope that nobody deceived you when you came to Christ and said it was gonna be easy. I hope that you didn't buy into this idea that, you know, come on, just give your life to Jesus and everything will be all right. Because the Bible doesn't say that at all. As a matter of fact, the Bible continuously tells us that not only do we glory with Christ, we suffer with Christ. The Bible tells us that it's in those tough times that God shapes us and molds us into the image of Christ. He actually perfects us. So it's a fight. We're in a fight and we must fight. We must fight. Not only that, but we must finish the race. We have to cross the finish line. I wrote my notes, it's not how you start the race that matters most, it's how you finish. Matter of fact, I would even add to that, that it's not even as important how you run the race. You know, I mean, you know, if you watched me run, you might be a runner, Nadine's a runner, she's run like millions and millions of miles. And uh, if she were to come watch me run, she would be like, um, Pastor Mike, you probably don't wanna flail your arms so much. <laughs> And, 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 and you'll run in pigeon-toed is good for some, but you might want to straighten up. You know, she might critique me and say, you know, because of her experience. But it's not, you know, I'm going to finish. If I, if I flail my arms, let me flail my arms. I'm going to cross the finish line. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cross that finish line. And you've got to cross that finish line. And it doesn't matter as much how you start. It does matter some how you run. You want to get better at that. But at the end of the day, we want to cross the finish line together. We want to cross that finish line and get our medal our crown, the Bible calls it. We want to cross that finish line and get our banana, right? We want to stand face to face with Jesus so that we can bow low and give our crown back. Yeah. We want to cross that finish line and live throughout eternity, ruling and reigning with Christ like the Bible describes. We want to cross the finish line. So we've got to fight the fight. We've got to run the race and we must remain faithful in the meantime. 2 Timothy 2.11 says, this is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, we also live with him. If we endure hardship, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. If we are unfaithful, watch this, he remains faithful for he cannot deny who he is. God is faithful. Come on, why don't you get alone with God right now? We're just gonna pray and ask God to pour some faithfulness down on us today. God always remains faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. And he will help us be faithful. The Bible says that God is for us. And if God is for us, who can be against us? He is our champion who is cheering us on today. Father, we, we thank you for the truth of your word and this nice letter that you've inspired Paul to write to Timothy that is really truth for us today. Thank you for giving us some hope. Thank you for helping us to be like the fighter, like the one who runs the race. God, understanding that we have to cross the finish line. Thank you for helping us see we've got to be like the soldier who doesn't get tangled up in the cares of the world and the, the issues of this life, 
but remains faithful to the one who called us and gave us this life. Like the athlete who runs and obeys the rules and trusts the process. God, help us to trust the process today. Even when we don't understand, we, it doesn't make sense and we never did it that way. God, let us lay down all those excuses and let us be like that athlete that runs faithfully and trusts the process. And like the farmer who plants diligently knowing that one day there will be a reward. God, help us to smell the cornbread today. Help us to know that it's worth it. God, I pray for every believer here today that they would understand that it's worth it today. God, I also pray for those who maybe don't know Christ today, came here today, maybe seeking. Maybe they're hurting. Maybe they're out there in a place where they just don't understand and they're desperate for something. And today, Jesus is that something. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, maybe you've never said yes to him. You've never gotten saved or born again. You're here today. God loves you. And he's here today to pour out his grace on your life. Or maybe you did get saved when you were young. Maybe you were a kid. You were in a church. You raised your hand, walked an aisle, prayed a prayer. Might have even got baptized. But over the course of time, you've, you've, just, you've just walked away. You've slipped away. Maybe 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years have passed. And you're, you're here today so far from God. You don't know him. And, and as far as you know, he doesn't know you. But you're here today. God loves you. And he wants to welcome you home today. So either way, anywhere in between, you're here today and you don't know Christ. I wanna pray a prayer that'll help you connect with him today and, and get you started on that walk with Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus died on a cross. And if you'll believe that, that he died on a cross for your sins. And then if you'll confess it with your mouth, it says you'll be saved. And I wanna pray a prayer that'll help you to do that today. What I wanna ask you to do, I'm not gonna ask you to stand up or come up front, but I wanna ask you to do, if you wanna be a part of this prayer today, all I'm gonna ask you to do is simply acknowledge your God by slipping your hand up and putting it right back down. Come on, all over the room. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Yes, God bless you, God bless you. I see those two hands in the back here, yes. God bless you, sir, on the front, yeah. Come on, somebody else, you didn't raise your hand, but God's really, there you go, God bless you. God's really, he's stirring your heart, he's convicting you and saying, come on, God bless you. Yes, I see that hand, young lady. He's saying, come on home. Let the grace of God flow in your life. One more time, you didn't raise your hand, but you say, Pastor, I wanna be a part of that prayer. I'm ready to meet Jesus. Slip it up and slip it right back down. If you didn't raise your hand, anybody, I see that hand. Yes, ma'am, God bless you. Come on, you raised your hand. I'm gonna lead you in a simple prayer. I want you to understand this is not about fancy words. This is simply a cry of your heart to your God and he hears your prayer. But say something like this, say, say God in heaven. Come on, say it with us, folks. Say God in heaven, please forgive me of my sins. I turn from them today and I ask you to save me. Come live inside of me. Teach me to know you. Teach me to love you. Just tell him this. I give you all of me, Jesus. And I receive all of you. Amen. Amen. Now here, real quick, just look up here at me. If you raised your hand all over the room, so many hands, if you raised your hand today and you prayed that prayer today, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says God is faithful and just to forgive our sins. And so from God's perspective for you today, he says your sins are forgiven. He's done with that. They're done, okay? That's what Jesus died on the cross for. Yeah, come on, give it up for those who made decisions today. 
If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. If you'll text the word SAVED to 51660, we want to send you a link to our website that'll explain a little more about the decision you just made and give you some steps to take so that you can grow in your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Michigan. Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give, or you can text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.